Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Riding on the Wall podcast. I go by the name of Chris Frizzell. We have Blue Shindo in the building, and today we have a special guest. Everybody give it up for Pasco and Johnny. What's up, what's up? How you doing, Pasco? Hey, it's a good evening, good day. This is wonderful, wonderful to be here with you guys, and uh, let's chat it up, man. Awesome. It's awesome. good to have you. We're in a new year, and you're actually our first guest for 2022, so it's good to have you. Thank you for being here. All right. Um, one thing that I want to start out with is uh, you you have this awesome little business going, and um, we want we want to help you out there and get your voice heard in the community, and just kind of well, we'll start there. That's that's what I'm excited about, and uh, probably just as much excited about the fact that you're working with the language program. Yeah. So um, how how have you been doing with like you know getting your your merchandise ordered and getting things and COVID and all the, you know, the troubles that you had to face getting your business off the ground. Yeah, cool, man. It, you know, my business, uh, I do a lot of clothing and my business is uh, Res Elite. And the, the start of the Res Elite was, was very unique. I've been around screen printing T-shirts for, you know, half my life, 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in how... That process is that how I can apply that to whatever designs I might make or I can, you know, print somebody else's design and was interested in that aspect in terms of, you know, creating art, mm-hmm. you know, putting on, on a T-shirt and whatnot. So I've been kind of following the business for 20, 25 years, just watching from the outskirts. But, um, you know, several years ago, it kind of got a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, you know, like. I can probably try to take this to the next level. You know, I can do my own screen printing. I can uh, create my own art. Um, how, how, how does this all work? Mm-hmm. Um, so about 10 years ago is when I started getting more serious into it. My father, Oliver, he has a, a T-shirt stand that he does every 4th of July at, at the Mescalero Ceremonial. And we used to get our products, his products done in uh, town or, you know, local towns. And, and um, he would take me. Hey, Pastor, let's go to town. We got to order some shirts up for the ceremonial, and we go into you know these t-shirt making businesses and, and see how the process is done. And I was very intrigued in that. Um, what really dwelled me right into it was how you know my father was getting ripped off. You know they were charging outrageous rates for him uh, to print some shirts, and I started looking into the process and the cost and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, this is like. This, this is too much. This is too crazy. All of our, you know, whether our people or, or anybody's getting ripped off by this process. So I started said, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And I did. I was able to cut his cost in half. In the same time, I was able to start some t-shirt printing. Wasn't able to do the whole thing, but did some. And then just kind of kept growing and growing and growing. Um, several years ago, um, 
You know, I used to ball up blue. <laughs> take them, take them. It's not hard. From the trees. <laughs> uh, used to ball them up. But, you know, I, I started seeing a lot of uh, indigenous type uh, designs on yeah. basketball shorts and jerseys and stuff. And I was like, here I am trying to print T-shirts and trying to make small designs and logos. And, and th- all this new stuff was, like, pretty cool. But I didn't know how to do that. I didn't even know what the process was called. Mm-hmm. So, again, I had to go back and do some more homework, and I found out what the process was. It's sublimation printing, and I couldn't do that. No one around here does sublimation printing. What, what is that? What were you saying? Sub, sublo- sublimation? Sublimation. So, the, you know, there's different processes of, of printing attire. You can do, you know, screen printing. You can do embroidery. You can do, uh, you know, a lot of people do the um, like cricket cutting today. Heat you know, press, heat, heat press, and stuff like yeah, that. Heat yeah, heat press, heat transfers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different processes, but sublimation is a a printing process um, that the ink gets absorbed by the uh, material. Yeah, so it's fully absorbed. Absorbed. It's not a print on top of material. It's in the material, and and it's pretty unique to to get into and see what that process can do. So I started. Um, on a flight to Washington, D.C., uh, trying to kill time, I sat there and said, you know what, I'm going to try to make me a logo. What's my company be called? You know, I've, I've used my father's, my father's company is called uh, White Horse Art and Design. I was like, well, you know, I, yeah, I could do that, but I really don't want to infringe upon, you know, his space. So I decided to do my own. So that's how I came up with uh, Res Elite. Mm-hmm. Res Elite. And, and it's very fun process to get started with uh but now you know I, i'm this is probably my year three of, of really getting into it and, and providing a lot of, of attire for the community uh for for youth and, and all types of different events but you know to get from where i was as you know drawing on napkins and drawing on uh pieces of paper uh to to where i'm developing uh you know lines of of art and lines of um apparel it's pretty pretty neat process to get uh to be where i'm at what was it called again sublimation sublimation yeah and and, uh how do you know if there's any other businesses right now that are practicing sublimation printing not not it's it's out there um but it it requires a huge amount of equipment Mm -hmm. um it could be you know a warehouse full of equipment, mm-hmm. yeah. of, of, of machinery and printing and, and huge loads of, of material and large presses. And and, and um, it's it just a tremendous lot to yeah. get to that point. Right. Um, so, you know, what I've done is, is I've looked out and outsourced a lot of my stuff. And, and, of course, that was a process in itself to try to find a company that's willing to work with. This res dude from from Mescalero trying to print some, you know, some basketball shorts. Yeah, you um, your your patterns took off in your, uh, I guess the types of clothing that you started printing on. I started seeing like different variations of it, and um, you, you kind of developed your own style over the years, and and it's it's pretty cool because like when you see something that you've made, it's starting to become a brand now where I recognize like the colors or mm-hmm. maybe like the the shapes of your little you've got like these edges that you do like these like these little corner pieces that you do it's like kind of sharp you've got a design i think i can spot now if that makes any sense um like i can see something that you made 
and it's like, oh, I think I bet you Pasco made yeah. that, you know, and I, and I kind of, I don't know how to really pinpoint it, but I kind of like, like hey, did, did, who made that? Where'd you get that? It's nice. And they're like, oh yeah, we ordered these from Pasco or whatever. And I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if you noticed it now, but um, yeah, I think you're just starting to develop like a brand now. Yeah, you know, it's it's all throughout the Indian country. You know, you know, ever since I started my website, uh, res-elite.com, I've been, I've, I've shipped from coast to coast and hundreds and hundreds of orders been sent out all over the place. Uh, I have a good following here on, on Facebook with, um, you know, some, some people that interested in some of my stuff that I do, but it's come to a point where locally, if I sold short to a basketball team or, you know, uh, you know, some, some apparel to somebody, I know who that is, mm-hmm. but now my 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 brand my my apparel is shipped from from coast to coast i i don't know 75 percent of the people no, anymore mm-hmm. and it's pretty neat to to do that i've i've traveled to different reservations and um you know once they kind of know who i am and, oh yeah you know we see some of your stuff and people wear your stuff and people wear you know your shorts and hoodies and stuff and mm-hmm. that's pretty neat to to get to that point mm-hmm. um I, I, I love what I do, and I'm glad that people are appreciative of that um, to purchase it. It's one thing to, to admire, you know, something that's pretty. It's another thing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put my hard-earned money into buying something that's pretty. So there's obviously uh, I'm appreciative of these people that, that look at what I can do and the products I put out, the designs I can put out, maybe even the, uh, the quality that comes out of it, and and – they appreciate it. They wear mm-hmm. it. They wear, you know. I've I've get messages and I get phone calls and texts and, hey, you know, a little Johnny hasn't took off his sweater in like a week. <laughs> you know that stuff is pretty amazing, um, because hey, I'm just I just like drawing stuff and, you know, people are starting to wear it. Um, you know, I get a lot of compliments that, hey, we see your stuff in the community, Dulce or mm-hmm. you know, in Arizona or in Oklahoma. You know, those are my um, my my main outlets right now. But you know, mm-hmm. it's starting to grow a little further. So does the process start with you like doing a painting or a drawing first, and then you and then you do it, move it to the computer in Photoshop, or how does that work? So, so I always tell people, my father is a good painter. Yeah, he has the patience to sit there, in, you know, two three days and really work on his artwork. Mm-hmm. I have zero patience whatsoever. I I don't, I can't, I can't sit there and do that. So you don't do painting at all? No, oh, okay. I don't do no paintings. I don't, you know markers ain't like that i don't do so what i do is i scribble a lot of designs on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and then i transfer it to the computer and i do you know vectorize it and uh, photoshop it and and really spruce it up so even though i can't sit there for three days painting a picture i can sit on the computer for three days and do the same thing oh i know that's kind of odd that Mm -hmm. i can't can't do that the opposite way but you know i do uh, uh just just ideas you know these colors and the designs that come that come to me, you know, I, you know, like a lot of people are, are look at Pendleton as the the indigenous attire, indigenous wear, indigenous designs that that's Indian, that's Indian. Pendleton is Indian, yeah. but it, people don't know that Pendleton's not owned by Indian. That's what I always wondered. You know, do natives own this? But yeah, I guess yeah, Pendleton, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's kind of you know we we have it. I have Pendletons at home. Um, yeah. I like buying Pendleton stuff, but it's not, it's not Indian owned. Yeah, wow. I I thought that was extremely clever because um, people were buying like a lot of things that would come around from the Fourth of July, and they would have like some native designs on it. 
and you could get like a shirt or a sweater from the feast or whatever and it wouldn't wouldn't last too long it wasn't like it was like always a certain quality and there was a need there at the time i think when your stuff started coming out i think there was a need for quality uh, material that we can wear and be proud of and because as natives we all love it we all love to be able to strut like something that represents us because there's nothing out there you you can't really go to walmart or, or like um like dillard's and it's not too too common to be able to buy something that represents it but um, your style came out with a true like um, quality um, appeal. It looks looks good. It feels good. And it looks like it lasts for like a really long time. Um, was that was that something that you were passionate about? Was making like quality like clothing, not something that's going to fade in the dryer? Of course. I mean, it, you're putting your name into a product. You want it to to last a while. You know, it's not. You know, there's my my little workshop as it is my little t-shirt shop. There's a lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error. Does this work? Does that work? How does this come out? Let me wash it. Let me see how this kind of expands. Is this cracked? You know, there's a lot of different processes to make that to make that happen. And then you find a product that that works. I've you know, besides apparel, you know, I've done bags and purses and wallets and, and all these different things. And I buy them beforehand, take a look at them, check the material quality, check the printing quality. Check, you know, whatever I can to make sure whatever I send out to people is is of, of, of great quality. You know, right now in in t-shirt business is there's different levels of t-shirt quality. There's your real good, nice quality shirts that um, will run you more bucks or there can be your uh, sandpaper type of t-shirts that, you know, cost you, you know, pennies. Mm-hmm. So there's different qualities that you can do. I... As much as I try not to go with the the sandpaper type T-shirts, and then try to you know trying to show people, hey, this is a real good quality shirt, and this is this is gonna last you a while, um, you know, trying to educate people on that is is the part that you know really wants is, is really hard to to get people to go because you can say, hey, I want do you want a ten dollar shirt or do you want a twenty dollar shirt? Yeah. I can do both. Mm-hmm. Now ten dollar shirt. Um, you know, come see me in a month because it'd be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can you know, buy a twenty dollars shirt. Yeah, a little pricey, but you know we're good for 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 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's something that I I thought was pretty challenging for you was to try to build something like a brand that you have, and try to build it in a way where you were doing quality material versus like the cheaper stuff, and you could see people wanting a deal all the time, or maybe thinking like, oh, your stuff's too pricey, but. Um, I it's hard to watch it like from the outsides because I'm like I I know what he's doing I know he's producing something that's worth the money I know he's he's making a good shirt but there's some people that don't understand how much it even costs what he has to go through to make that shirt and they want to say like it's overpriced or something but um, now I think we're you're in a in a phase where people is like I'm uh, I'm ready to buy Resolute because they know what they're getting now. Um, I, I guess what I was trying to get at was it was it hard? Was it a challenge for you to get to the point you are now, where people know they're buying quality material? Yeah, you know, the working and trying to put together a business that anybody appreciates is is let alone not only one, but you know, like hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds of people that can say, hey, you know what? I bought Resolute hoodies. Um, you know, they came in on time. They came in professionally wrapped or whatever it may be. You know that that does take a lot to to get to that point. Um, 
my my daughter Rose, she's into Etsy a lot, and, and she has a little a little shop. But she shops from other buyers also, and and all the sellers. So she gets product, and they're wrap nice. They're this is top notch stuff. So I really had to look at how I'm presenting my material, how I'm presenting um, mm. the brand, how I am you know presenting itself as a whole, where people are willing to buy that little bit extra for me. Right. If I threw it into a t-shirt sack, whether it be Albertsons or Walmart, whatever, then that lessers the the, the quality that I'm trying to produce. Yeah. If, if I have a good product, guess what? It's, it's got to be presented very nice mm-hmm. because you can't, can't go, I have a really great product and I'm going to give it to you all tarnished or dirty, whatever. Right. So right. you really have to, to move, um, and try to work on that, and and that was the process in itself. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, starting resolute and where I'm at right now this is not. Hey, I started a week ago and I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, this is a, a long process where, you know, I have to look at my packaging. I have to look at my labels. I have to look at, you know, what what attracts people to to, you know, spend a little more. Mm-hmm. And I, um, the I guess the way that you're building your brand too is is you're building it in a way to where if you're selling off the reservation, so you're selling it to other other reservations or other other places like you said. And I kind of imagine, what if I ordered something from Dulce and I wanted it and I got it in the mail and it was like in a, in a Walmart bag and then put in a box and with a label and it makes, but now you're, you're saying things to me that's kind of opening my eyes up. Things I never really thought about, like like your presentation and stuff. And I think that matters, you know, those little things matter, like getting a package and you're excited, you see the shirt and it came nicely wrapped and, or whatever it is, you know, I think that is like exciting and I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm starting to get a little bit more intrigued now about your process. It sounds like a lot of work and a lot of dedication, but I'm glad you have the passion for it because it looks exhausting at times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a lot. You know, I I you know think about things all the time about new products and then do I try bags this time? Do I try backpacks? Do I try do I try some tennis shoes that have some unique designs? You know, what, what do I do next? And and that's something that you know when we when you're trying to build a brand is there's a very few that are unique that can say, Hey, I produce just watches and mm-hmm. they can be successful with that. But a lot of brands have to expand further to, to outreach to, to other people. Um, you know, I was doing t-shirts, I was doing hoodies, but I was like, you know what? Let's, let's try some umbrellas. Mm-hmm. Maybe people like umbrellas. Yeah. That's uh, cool. So I designed some up and I ordered them up and I, I kid you not, I, I can't keep umbrellas and stuff. Wow. I mean, it just, they get in and they're gone. Uh, my, my favorite design you did was um, I actually ordered the one of the hoodies. It was uh with the crown dance on the back, the low crown on the front, and then the like the top of the hoodie has the blue it's like blue, blue sky and all that. That's one of my favorites. Um do you have a favorite design you did or a, a bestseller or something that's just keeps keeps getting ordered over and over again? You know, that's that's funny. I mean I I love all my designs. I love putting it out together and, and man, these look slick and I like this color. I throw this on the sleeve. So a lot of the stuff I, I designed for I don't want to say for myself, but I I look at it from that viewpoint like would I buy this thing? Mm-hmm. If if I want to buy it then yeah, let's do it. But if I design something and I go like, would I wear wear this? Whether mm-hmm. it be the wrong color or the wrong design element, like, no, I really shouldn't try this. But, you know, looking at all my designs, I always say, I always buy something, one extra for myself. Oh. 
you know, hoodies, I buy one extra for myself. Shorts, I buy one extra for myself because I love it. But once I get it in hand and somebody says, hey, Pascal, you have any shorts for sale? I, there, there, there they go. So I really don't have any of my own stuff. You know, it's, it's so crazy. Uh, well, um, one thing that I, I have a lot of respect for is that you try to get the product to your customers like right away. Um, I noticed a lot of um, good reviews on that you were working hard to get um, the order in. And I know I've seen it. You know, people make a big order for shirts and they want them tomorrow, you know. And it has to be hard to please um, everyone because, like I said, no, we don't all know, like, the process that goes into it. And I'm learning things as we have this conversation. But um, it has to be stressful to get everyone's order out there. Um, has how, Can you elaborate on maybe that, that challenge for us? Sure. I mean, you know, when whenever you're making, let's say I'm making a T-shirt order. Um, I have to have blank products. I have to have uh, T-shirts. Various sizes, various colors, whatever people are wanting to order. I've got to have my equipment in place, whether it be, you know, my spatulas or, or my screens ready. Or, you know, I've got to have some, some special inks available. i got to have this, that, and the other. So when people say, hey, Pasco, you know, I, I want – you make shirts, right? So, yeah, I make shirts. Well, I need one by Friday. Well, I can do it and cost you 100 bucks, but I can get it done. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that, that's too crazy. I said, well, you can get it next Friday and – We'll give you a better reasonable price. Mm-hmm. But that that part of how do I get from here to there is people, a lot of people don't understand that part. Um, you want a good product. So I have to take my time to make that good product. I can brush it overnight, but you have ink splots all over the place. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, something that doesn't match or doesn't look right or whatever it may be. But whenever you're building a brand or building a name for yourself, you try to be as professional as you can and as smart as you can. I can do it overnight. But for me, professional-wise, I may get tired. Don't I have the right T-shirts? You know, all this stuff gets gets into play. Um, I remember several years ago, um, I ordered blank shirts online through a larger company. I have a CRS number with the state of New Mexico, which allows me some uh, a little some benefit. So I have to order my stuff two, three days ahead to get stuff in time and, and get it done. We're talking hundreds of shirts. We're not talking, hey, let's go to Walmart and get pick up five shirts. We're talking, you know, two, three hundred shirts at a time. So I have to get that product prepared. There was one time um, the UPS truck didn't come. Oh yeah, uh, that's the worst. And I needed the product the following afternoon, and UPS wasn't going wasn't gonna happen. I sat there, and holy crap, you know, we're to have order of, I think about two hundred shirts. I'm like, man, they they need them tomorrow. What do I do? What's gonna happen? I ended up driving, I kid you not, overnight trip to Phoenix, Arizona, picked up my product, blank product at seven o'clock in the morning. Once it's open. And I turned around, came back, and printed those shirts. Wow! So, how many colors did that? Did those shirts have? Uh, that one was about three colors. So it was a pretty good job. So those I mean, three, three screens just. And it, I don't think people understand the process. You got to go through each shirt and, and one screen when. Yeah. The next uh, screen, next screen, and so. Yeah, it doesn't come out just like a like a copy machine does. You gotta you gotta do each T-shirt individually. Wow. Yeah, it, it was a. Number one is learning experience for myself. Number one, don't depend on. The shipping to you and yeah. two don't don't I fully had to explain you know my deadlines going forward because oh, wow. I, um, um, that was when I first started out and I really didn't fully explain 
hey, there's a possibility that mm-hmm. we might miss this. So I never really explained that. But now I know. Yeah. Now I say, hey, people, give me four days. We're good. Have, have you had any other situations like that where you're just really stressed out about getting the item? The, the, I always stress out about, <clears throat> about getting prime product. Mm-hmm. Uh, my blank my blank products because man you know what people put so much faith in you put so much energy hey you know Pascal's gonna do a bang up job he's got the design knocked out he's got the right colors and I'm excited for my shirts for this weekend or I'm excited for my shirts on Tuesday but when that product doesn't come in n- not my fault mm-hmm. but comes uh, a shipping problem or an issue and then it becomes very stressful um there's many times that I've stressed out too much on some shirts because people put faith in you. Yeah. People say, hey, man, I put a deposit down on you. I, I, I you know, really mm-hmm. want – we want you to do it. And that puts a lot of stress on you, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that would be tough to deal with. It's just letting somebody down. I think that would be like the hardest for me. It's just uh, I'm sorry I couldn't get it to you, you know, and I don't know if they'll understand really like what, what you went through. But um, – yeah, I get nervous thinking about it. Just thinking about the stress of not having your product delivered to you, and um, it kind of brings like a little bit of anxiety on. But um, overall, like I can see your passion for it, and I have a lot of respect for the way you just you just stuck it out from the day you started. You kept moving it. You could see the motivation, and I think a lot of people um, respected like your motivation um, for your craft. And I think a lot of people like that. They like seeing you dedicated like that. Because um, it's very clear that you wanted this to happen. Um, and you were delivering products and you were trying your best to get it on time. And that's why I was like bringing up like the time issues because you seem pretty dedicated to please people and stuff. And um, that, that has to be like uh, rewarding too at the end of the day whenever you made it happen and someone's extremely happy and they see it and stuff. What's, what do, what do you, what's your best reactions? Like what are your best products that you deliver and the people are just most happy about it? You know, I, I did one order today, um, delivered it, um, and, and they cried. They, oh, wow. That's good. They cried. And, and you know, I don't want to get too much into what, what it was, but mm-hmm. they cried. And it, it is those moments you go like, you know what, my time, my cost, it's just throw it out the window, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they like the product. They like what I was able to do for them. And they cried, mm-hmm. and that that's that's something like holy crap! You know, this is like, this is more than t-shirts, right? This is more mm-hmm. than you know my whatever several hours I spent on on trying to make it happen. But it's just those moments where you go like, holy, you know, this is this is pretty. Neat. You know, even you know, like I said earlier, you know, there's people that 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 text and call or whatever and say, hey man, you know, little Johnny has wore his hoodie out. You know, he's a, he needs a new size. Next one up. All right, let's get it done. <laughs> you know, let's let's make this happen. But you know, just those moments of, of appreciation from people say, "Hey, you know what? I, I like your stuff. We wear your stuff all the time." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here in Ridoso, um, I, I do a lot of stuff for the high school, and I always see those stuff also. Mm-hmm. You know, walking around town. You know, these people don't know me. They don't know me from the guy down the street, right? But to see people wear it and say, "Hey, you know what? I have." A selection of tuny hoodies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear the Resolute hoodie. Yeah. And have them wear it. That's pretty neat. I, I, I love that yeah. stuff. Is that your favorite part of the process, seeing people wear, wearing your product? Or is it designing? Or is it the – I'm sure it's not the, the labor where you got to do 
uh, one was it squeegee after another? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at my hair now, man. <laughs> Each of those is probably one job. But you know, that the, the, the just seeing. I've always said, you know, if I ever see my stuff out in Albuquerque or whatever, I'm gonna say, hey, man, that's that's my stuff, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. I've, I've I've seen my stuff, but I've never done it yet. Oh, like, <laughs> like hey, man, hey, that's me, man. Yeah. I've never done it just yet. Uh, but you see it, I see it. I mean, just like, oh wow, you know, I don't know who that person is, but he's wearing my hoodie. And that's pretty neat, you know. Just empowering and just gives you motivation. To say, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's let's get somebody else to get wear something like this. Nice. Do you I, have any future plans of like expanding, expanding more than just um, resolute or? Oh man, you know what? Last summer I, I almost pulled the trigger. Almost said, "All right, I'm quitting my job. I'm gonna do this full time." Uh-huh. And and yeah, I didn't. I kind of just like <laughs> a little cold feet on that part. But you know, it came real close to, to really going for for the gusto here. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a lot of outreach with different tribes to do some stuff for them. I've done some large orders and shipped them state to state, and you know, this is just uh, amazing experience right now. I really want to get into that next level of just storefront. I mean, we all want storefront, mm-hmm. and I think that's you know, some people's objective is to get to that to that spot. And that's where you know I want to work towards is try to get to to build a small business for Mescalero in Mexico and, and make it happen. Nice. Uh, me, me and Chris are all, all about you know supporting our, our local businesses and um, we recognize like you're passionate. We've been talking about that and um, hopefully hopefully we do see that one day just that that boom of success and um, everybody's proud to have have supported you along the way, but. It has to be a little surreal now. You look back in it and see how, because you are, you know, in my eyes, you're pretty successful with the business. And um, how do you feel looking back to like that first time you printed a shirt and you were, you know, you were just getting started? You, you know, when, whenever I first started, I, I obviously had an, a, um, I wanted to go where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But I had to do, I had to learn. I, I couldn't just wake up in an I'm a YouTube star, and I can figure this out. <laughs> you had to do trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. So, you know, when you get to that point of of really learning what you're trying to do, learning, you know, even the legal aspects of a business, mm-hmm. even the tax ramifications, or even, you know, your whatever accounting process you want to go through, you have to learn that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not just, hey, man, you know, you got 10 bucks, I got a shirt for you. You know, you got to learn a whole lot about either marketing, you got to learn about, you know, your your sourcing, you got to learn about your shipping, you know, what is going to make things work. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I had a large order of, of hoodies I had to send out. I stood in line at the, at, um, the post office with stacks full of packages. Mm-hmm. Each one had to be entered into uh, the system at the post office. And I sat there for, I think, my second trip, I said, I can't do this. This is too much. I can't stand here for an hour trying to ship out some hoodies. So I learned the next process of, of either shipping shipping from your home or, or, you know, printing my own labels and, and getting that machinery done where, you know, I can, you know, print up labels left and right at home. I just go to the post office and wave at them and drop them off packages and off they go. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's a hurry, huge learning experience. You know, people have to be dedicated to what they're producing the end product um i think we've all 
received some sort of product in the past or whether we bought it at the store and like just admired how it looked right mm-hmm. hey this is a nice box this is some nice colors hey look they threw in some stickers oh this is pretty neat how they did that we all admire stuff like that and that's what i really want to try to get to the next level of presentation in terms of uh, product delivery mm-hmm. but you know it's it's a you you keep trucking at this thing and and that's all you do you just keep learning and learning and learning right and it's it's um uh, it's interesting to see like your process through it all and you talk about like the trial and error and a lot of people that become good at what they what they do it's it looks painful you know to see all like the failures and then you overcome that one and then you try another failure but it's not like failure because you're learning you're growing each time but it it looks like painful and a lot of us don't want to like attempt it sometimes because we see and i think that's like where my respect comes from is because you know watching you put out your product like that over and over and all these years you just stuck to it and it's cool i remember you handed me a handful of stickers one time and i was like just handing them out everywhere i was like hey, put this on your water bottle put this on your water bottle so a couple times and then i was like thinking wow i was able to give this to, like five people i wonder um if he knows like what he did like i didn't know if you had that like this is like your marketing strategy or if you grew on that, I don't, I don't know any of your tools and stuff. So, um, is that kind of like what, what your tools are? You just kind of keep stickers around and you go to the internet or did, did your marketing strategy come as planned or like, how did you figure that part out? You know, when, whenever you look at any sort of, of logo or, or, you know, advertising piece people have is people are attracted to the logo they can mm-hmm. see the logo and they understand it mm-hmm. like right away you know we've all seen the big big company logos but when you look at a small business such as myself as resolute two years ago no one knew about it mm-hmm. a year ago it's starting to move around but you know really trying to, to develop the logo you know i done it myself and trying to present that to everybody where they can um Put it whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember driving into town one time here in Redoso, and I got behind a vehicle. And they had a bunch of stickers, right? You know, people have stickers. But there was in the corner was Resolute. Nice. Resolute on their vehicle. And I was like, hey, hey, kids, kids, check it out. Check it out. There's there's a Resolute sticker on that car. And I don't know what car that was, but that was pretty neat for, mm-hmm. for that, for me to see that. And go like, you know what? People just like, man, we love the sticker. I'm going to put it on my car. And that, that was pretty neat to see. Um, I've seen people put it all over, you know, their drink cups or, you know, um, anything. And then that's something where you're trying to build your brand where it's everywhere, right? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. So, you know, the stickers is, is a great um, resource to have. You mm-hmm. can have it on hand. You know, everybody loves, has business cards. But that business cards get stuffed and thrown away. But if you get a sticker and you put it on your on, on your vehicle or you put it on your drinking cup or you put it on your refrigerator you see that all the time and that builds mm-hmm. up the brand so it's part of it's part of a little marketing there that's what i was thinking i was like that's such a good idea he just he just had some on hand he's like hey man here's some stickers if you want some and then i just like passed them out to my friends and i was like it's such a, it's a good tactic i wonder if he's like he knows like if he studied like his marketing strategies if he's built on it if he's like been reading books and um you know i just i thought it was a good tactic on your part and stuff and you got a you got a lot of like um, experience under your belt, and it's like I said, um, I'm just really intrigued by like how you got so far with your with your brand. And I asked you in the beginning about um, how COVID like affected your business. Um, in my eyes, it, it kind of like um, it kind of boomed. You, you took advantage of that opportunity too. And that's, I'm like, man, Pasco's a businessman. He knows what he's doing here because 
you took that hard situation, you made it work for you, and you were doing prizes and giveaways, and you were trying to boost people's spirits. And I thought that was like extremely clever too, but fun at the same time. Um, can you talk about like your, your COVID experience? Yeah, you know, so COVID hit us, you know, two years ago, right? And I was part of uh, the the membership or the employment in Mescalero that got furloughed, you know, for safety reasons. We wanted to this COVID to to stop expanding, and so everybody got sent on furlough. So, you know, I was part of that. Um, there, there was some benefits to that. Um, but the biggest thing was spending time at home, right? You know, you don't have to go to work no more. You got to be at home. What do you do at home? Well, you know, there's a lot of household things you can do. You can clean, clean, clean the yard or, you know, fix A, B, and C. Um, I did a couple projects at my house. And after a while, I was like, okay, I'm done with that. What's what's my next step? What, what do I do now? And I saw... My my brand Resolute, but we there was nothing going on in the community. Mm-hmm. There was no basketball tournaments. There was no nothing going on. So how do I get from from people doing nothing during that whole whole uh, half year to you know what I'm going to buy something online? And I really saw that opportunity. To say you know what let let's see what happens. Let's let's start a website. Let's start e-commerce. Let's start how. How am I build you know my Facebook group up? Do I start my own uh, you know group? Mm-hmm. You know whatever. Do I do do I do podcasts? Do I do you know live shows? What do I how do I make this happen? Mm-hmm. So during COVID is when you started your web, your website Resolute. Yeah, that was well, very well put together. Like, so mm-hmm. did it take you a long time to do that, or how did that work? Um, I love computers, and it, it did take me a while. Um, yeah. You know the platform that I'm on is is very beneficial for for small businesses to to sell stuff or to to you know search it out but even that is the process and okay i have a name res-elite.com res-elite.com wasn't available mm-hmm. for whatever reason somebody got it somewhere <laughs> oh wow somebody actually has that somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> yeah so you know i had to go res-elite.com and you know i had to to learn about e-commerce and how you know, orders get from it to me, how I can, you know, get those orders shortcut to, you know, either I produce them or I have, you know, my, uh, my other companies that help me out and, and get these products done. So I have to really try to figure that part out. But it was during that COVID time where, you know, um, there's an opportunity and I yeah. jumped right on it. Mm-hmm. I, I think during that same period, there was a lot of uh, people here in the community that kind of did the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to take credit for it because you know we probably all thought about it at the same time, but you know saw this opportunity at home to make stuff to sell online. You know, a lot of wonderful people here in Mescalero that do bead work or, or do um, cakes or food or whatever, and, and saw uh, maybe the same thing that I did. That you know, there's a huge opportunity online to to sell some of this stuff. Yeah, you you committed to it very well. Um, you were, you were, everyone was kind of talking about the giveaways and it was exciting, you know, like who doesn't want stuff for free, oh, yeah. you know, and it was a lot of fun to watch. And um, so I was like, Hey, where'd you get that? And then they'd be like, Oh, I got this on Facebook and the give, I was like, what? He's doing giveaways. And they're like, yeah, if you, if you tune in. And um, so everyone was real happy about it. Like to see like that they won something and, and I don't know how many you did, but it, um, I saw a good uh, response from it in the community. Yeah, I mean, people love free stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, if you got an opportunity to, to win free free something, <laughs> people are all yeah. over it. Um, 
so part back to the marketing, how do you expand your brand throughout different people? Um, I can sit outside and say, this is my brand, this is my brand. Mm -hmm. But what works even better if, is if there's 100 people saying, check out this brand, mm -hmm. yeah. check out this brand. Yeah. And that's what I was like, okay, let's, let's make this work here. How do I say, 100 people say, hey, look at this brand versus me saying, hey, look at me, look at yeah. my brand. And I was like, you know what? Free stuff. People love free stuff, right? right. Um, and and that allowed me to expand to different markets and, and really expand my uh, my base, my core base of, of uh, man. These people are awesome. You know, I can put put anything for sale, and they buy it because of the quality that they see and, and how it comes across and how I'm able to to get it from from here to them. Mm -hmm. And and that's fun to watch. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah likes and loves and shares and you know check this out buy this stuff and it's 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 awesome yeah yeah the um the first time i saw your stuff i was at um i took logan to a to a basketball tournament and i saw this whole team they were all resoluted out and i was like oh those guys look sharp who yeah. made that stuff man look at those look at those jerseys son i was, I was showing them those look at those shorts um no one's making shorts like that and and the, that whole team just looks sharp and they look so good and uniform and put together i thought the name of their team was resolute and so this whole the, for a long time i was like thinking that everybody was supporting this team um this young basketball team and that all the merchandise being sold was a fundraiser for jerseys and things like that and then come to find out you were um you were behind the scenes and you were and i was like this there's another good tactic here we'll start out with basketball because natives love basketball mm -hmm. We're going to put the product on the court and make it look good. And, you know, and, and it's just been um, it's been awesome to watch your, your business grow. It's been very successful. And it seems like it's been a pretty honest business to me. And that's what I like yeah. to see. You know, you, you grew right out of the community. Um, everybody pretty much knows Pascal. Um, you were and now you're you, and on top of that, you're still you're working with the language program, right? Yeah, I've been working for the language program for almost 10 years now. That's awesome. Uh, started off contract. And I did a lot of video work and audio work and, and stuff. And, you know, there was a need at that time to, to squeeze me in and say, hey, we need, I don't know, if an hour worth of video to be uh, reduced down to a five-minute promo. Can you do it? Oh, yeah, I can do that. So mm -hmm. I was able to get my way into the language program, uh, you know, that way. Um, one of the things that is, is unique about uh, you know, me working with the languages that both of my parents are, are fluent speakers mm -hmm. and, and they speak very well, obviously. Um, for whatever reason, I, they tell me as a young little kid, I spoke Apache and either school happened or education happened or whatever. I, I stopped talking, but I always had that, that need to, to learn. Mm -hmm. So ever mm -hmm. since then, I, I've been working with the language program and I've, uh, you know, increased my vocabulary. I've increased my speaking. I've increased my, you know all these different things that that's it's amazing i mean it's just mind blown you know one of the main things that that when i was working with the language program is okay i was a fluent speaker back in the day lost it really doesn't know too much so i said okay i'll make it a priority for myself to understand as much as i can so i can explain to non-speakers non-apache speakers travel members this is how you understand it in English. Mm. And I thought I was able to do it. I was like, hey, you know, I have English background. I can, you know, 
I can un- I can explain how the Apache language works to you, mm-hmm. but you can't. Mm-hmm. Apache language is is, is very unique, mm-hmm. and it's something that right now I, I just you know at work I just turn on uh, you know an audio recording you know just listen to people talk Apache and talk Apache talk Apache talk Apache, mm-hmm. and I've got to the point where you know I can uh, you can know, understand a lot um, in in. In our traditional ways, I, I can play, pray in our language. Um, I know what I'm praying about, you yeah. know, not just mm-hmm. reading from the script. Mm-hmm. You know, I can expand further and, and talk a little bit uh, back and forth. I remember one time uh, about six years ago, we, me and my son, we went to the to the track there in Mescalero. And there's this elderly man there that, you know, he's since has passed. But, you know, he was there either, you know, walking with his family and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he stopped to me and he started talking Apache to me. And I responded. You know, we had a you know conversation, five minute conversation back and forth in Apache, and uh, you know went our separate ways. And I told my son, "We're driving home." I was like, "You didn't even know that your dad talk, talked to Apache, right?" He's like, "I knew that. I yeah. can talk. I don't know what, what you're trying to do to me." So you know, from that experience, is like, you know what? I can learn Apache. Mm-hmm. I can you know speak. I can you know try to take it to the next level. So you know, of course, I served on tribal council for a couple of years, but Every time that we spoke to the community, whether it be a inauguration or a general meeting or whatnot, I made it a point that I had to say something in Apache mm-hmm. because that meant a lot to our community. A lot meant a lot of meant meant a lot to our youth, uh, people my age that says, "Hey, you know what? Pascal's talking Apache up there on t- on, on the stage," mm-hmm. and th- th- I really had to dwell into it to to understand what I'm saying and. Make my pronunciations right, because if you try to read it or try to memorize it, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to enunciate every single word or, or, or sentence, whatever, to make it make sense. So I really worked on that. So mm-hmm. I, I love, I love the language, man. So anybody that wanted to learn, what advice would you give to them? What's the quickest way or the fa- or the best way to learn a patch speak, speaking it? Is to listen to it. Listen. You have to listen to it. Now, like here in Mescalero, we're Fortunate to know that you know our, old, our elderly do continue to speak it, yeah, all the time, all the time, all the time. But us as a younger generation, um, we don't hear it as often, mm-hmm. and and it's very hard to say, hey, Chris, you know, if you want to learn a language, you got to hear, hear hear people talk ten hours a day, eight hours a day. Well, I can, I got to work, or yeah. you know, I can, I'm can do this or that and the other. So it's really difficult in that portion for for all of us to continue to hear the language. But you have to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. You don't know what's being said, right? You just, you know, wow, it's beautiful. But what, once you get to that point of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing over and over, and I always tell my kids, I was like, you know, um, when you hear the language, focus on maybe two or three words that you know. It could be unrelated or it could be related. Mm-hmm. And just like, oh, okay, they're talking about horses yeah. or they're talking about our um, Apache ways, or they're talking about um, somebody, so and so, and try to combine it to make it make sense to you. Like, you know, you don't, there may be a five minute conversation, but you hear two or three words that you recognize. All right, you can kind of understand the gifts of, of what's being said. Yeah. So I really stress on on people recognizing words they understand, and not stress too much over words that they don't know, yeah. because that will that will defeat yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be able to sit there and go like, man, I understand what he's saying. 
you you also know how to sing it as well, right? Yeah. So you know, I've I've grown up in in our traditional ways, and um, you know, I've always been around uh, my family and, and sing, and I enjoy singing. I that's my number one jam in my car and my phone and my computer, just music, just mm-hmm. love it. And and this whole experience working with language program and being being just involved with with history and involved with pictures and involved with the language and songs it, it just blows my mind right now how beautiful it is it's, it's wonderful is you know, there one song that you can explain like what it means like maybe a popular song from Escalero that you can explain in English what they're saying hmm maybe one of the main feast songs or you know there, there's a lot of of songs that family sing there's a lot of songs that my family may sing that sometimes you don't fully understand what's being said. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just trying to think in my head a, a song. Um, you know, there was a song that my daughter sang that for the um, uh, middle school princess in this school mid- middle school princess pageant. Yeah. She sang a song, and I I told her say if you sing the song, you have to explain the song. Yeah. You just can't sing a song. Because you got to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I had to sing the song to her, uh, really explain what it is. And I had to tell her, you have to explain it to the community or to, you know, to the audience also. So uh, we did that. Uh, yeah. It's around that song. And it talks about uh, you know, the buffalo and you know, during the prisoner war days of Chiricahs in Oklahoma and talked about the buffalo and stuff. So I really had to tell her about that. Each... There's about three quarters of, of songs that are being sung or have Apache words, obviously. Yeah. And there are some groups that, that are just um, just have a good melody to it, really good, nice sounding melody. But Apache words is, is the premise. I, I like singing, and, and sometimes I sit in my car and, and sing songs to myself and make up my own songs, and, yeah. and I try to in, envelop that Apache language into it. Um, you know, in some songs, um, you know, I really try to, to help my neighbor out in understanding the songs. Mm. I have to explain this is what's going on, this is what they're talking about. This word, hear this word, hear it again and again, this is what they're talking about. This yeah. is what's being sung. And and it's 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 really beautiful to hear it, to understand and hear it. Mm-hmm. And and I, I really want and I encourage people to get to that point of really understanding the language and the songs because they're 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 awesome. They're yeah. beautiful. Uh, you know, they sing about oh man, all types of stuff. In the, yeah. if you went to, is there like a building or do you guys have like classes or anything at the in the language program or or, or what do you guys do? So right now, since uh, you know COVID, um, we they've removed us from the older building, the empowerment complex. They're building an, a new building there, uh, but right now we're out of the museum. Um, but right now we are just guests of the museum, so mm-hmm. we don't have, we can't open it to the public. So mm-hmm. we're just guests of the museum right now. Um, so we just kind to, you know, work behind the scenes and, and trying to, to, to help people out. Uh, we don't have all of our stuff out. We don't have all of our CDs out. We don't have all of our books out. You know, we just don't have the space there. I was going to ask, like, is there, like, any resources that we could use to study and to listen to and to try to learn as well? 
You know what? One thing that I uh, that I started there at with the language program is a uh, own radio station. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. and Debbie's our radio, and, and uh, you know I do that every so often uh, for the community there in Mescalero, and th- there is certain restrictions with the program. Probably the biggest restriction that we have with the language program is we cannot share with non-child members. Mm. Oh, that's that's the biggest thing. That's just stops everything cold. We so can't we, share. We can't share the. You can't share the language. Yep. You can't share songs, prayers, whatever it may be. Oh, okay. Any material that we develop in the language program, we can't share with the public. Mm-hmm. Public being non-Apaches. Mm-hmm. Is that is that cultural or legal? Uh, <laughs> Right now, it's it's a legal document. It's a re- resolution by the tribal council. Oh, that's, okay. That's, but do you, um, was that document written because it's like it'll um, kind of like an, infringe on our culture, or was it written just because? Or do you know the reason for that? It, it was a little bit before my time, but I, mm-hmm. I think you've kind of hit it. Is that we want it to be for ourselves? <coughs> mm-hmm. You know, kept kept to you know the, the powers that may be. That mm-hmm. Apache years only, mm-hmm. so I think at the time that the language program was was put together, that's where that idea came from. Like you know, anything that we get done has to stay with us. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that that's really you know the hard thing that that you have to work with people is, yeah, I can do a, a you know I can do a podcast, I can do FaceTime live, I can do classroom, I can do, you know, you can take classes in New York City. I, we can do that. Mm-hmm. But our restriction, my responsibility is, I can't do that because <laughs> I don't know who's on the other side, other side of the line. Right, yeah. it has to be child members only. That's that's the only holdup that we have. Um, but I encourage them to not only to to other programs that don't have that restriction because I think we're we're the Apache language program is is very um, highly regarded. We can't just. Pff, blow it out anywhere mm-hmm. and, and and i'm not speaking on my on, on my part because it's i'm just living what the rules say right but you know we have to be respectful of the language and you know wh- what if we open it up and there's 10 five people taking class and no mescalinos in there you know mm-hmm. that that really doesn't uh serve its purpose of what we're yeah. trying to do so but you know it's, it's very we try to 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 find that middle space and mm-hmm. trying to be help people out um i know it gets frustrating at times but you know i I have to follow law i have to feed my family so Mm -hmm. i i follow the law right right and also with the language program i think it was back in 2013 you guys produced a documentary called two years promise can you talk a little about that oh yeah you know the the two-year promise is a um was a part of a celebration for the 100 year release of the Chiricahua prisoners of war mm-hmm. from the United States war department. And, and the tribe had this grant and they wanted a film produced off it of, of the celebration or this time period. Um, I myself at that time knew a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can, maybe I can figure this out. But what, was able to happen was that grant was was given to the language program to develop this film and i was brought on that that was my first job is put together a film pascal all right what are we gonna do here our archives that we have at the language program is huge we have hundreds 
I don't want to say hundreds. We have a lot of hours of video. Not only video from today, but video from 30 years ago, from 50 years ago. We have audio recordings. We have from, uh, I think my, when I used in the documentary was, you know, 1930s. Yeah. We were able to put, piece that all together. So, you know, we were able to, to put that all together for the community. Um, you know, we showed it at In the Mount Gods. We've, you know, toured a couple colleges and did presentations and stuff. Um, and the thing about our products, again, you know, we are restricted by by law to to keep it for child members only. But these documentaries and videos I do are restricted because the tribe has um, ownership over. Mm-hmm. So it's not my personal videos that I can share with everybody. And mm-hmm. you know, let's go to Pasco's house and watch documentaries. This <laughs> and you know, I can't I can't share it out. Um, so the, you know, tribe has these rights to it. And, and right now it's, uh, just sticks with the language program and, you know, people want to come by and watch it. We show it up and, but you know, I can't allow CDs to go out or DVDs Mm -hmm. to go out. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's, there's really nothing that, um, like we can take from you, like a, like a CD that can help you like learn. There's, there's, there's nothing like, because there's, um, maybe like a risk of it getting out and getting into outside the reservation or. Is, is there anything out there anyone can study? We, we can do that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the thing we have to be is respectful of mm-hmm. what we do and who receives it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say there's this barrier that's in place there, but if if Blue as a tribe member come in and say, you know, I want some CDs and some music or, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll give it to you all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's up to you to decide what you want to do with it. Right. Now, if you say, hey, I want to put this on, you know, blues youtube page or right, you know whatever right. you know that yeah. that that causes a lot of of of, of uh, anguish on our part but you know yeah so remember you can come by and get documents you can come by and get cds you can uh you know all these different uh, just the videos i have to be restrictive because they're yeah so know, like tribal if, content yeah. if rosetta stone came in and said hey we want to put this in our app and put it out there for everybody we can't do that <laughs> no no we unfortunately we can't right now you yeah. know there's just that restriction that we have in place um, you know, yeah, we've been approached by Rosetta Stone and the, you know, there's other different language apps out there that they want to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we have to, but their premise is, is, you know what, we want to, on one side they say, hey, we want to help you guys save the Apache language. Mm-hmm. We're using our tools and our resources to make this happen. But on their opposite side, they're there to make money. Yeah, yep. they're going to capitalize on Apache and say we got. You can learn Apache at home and yeah, Rosetta Stone, right. and it's going to cost you hundred dollars. But that doesn't come back to the tribe and what we're trying to do. So if there's a balance there that you know commercial versus you know uh, tribal identity. Mm-hmm. You know who's going to win here? But you know the tribe has been very steadfast on on keeping it for tribal members only. What do you think it would take to save our language? What do you think we must we, we got to do? There has to be a commitment from people um, yeah. to really want to learn the language. We, hey, you know, Pascal, I just want to to learn how to say a sentence. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can scribble it out for you, and here you go. But there has to be that inspiration from from yourself and and anybody else to really really piece this together. Yeah, you know, for for me, and and I work been working there for a long time. Is I look at like as as a structure, a sentence structure, and how it changes from from maybe just talking about myself, and then or am I talking to myself in front of other people? 
I'm talking to a lot of people. I'm only talking to two people. I'm, I'm talking to the wall. There's different ways how to, to, to talk. And I don't want to stress anybody out because saying that's very difficult. It's, yeah. it's really not. Once you break it down into the structure, it's easily, oh, bam, I got it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, can, I can say this now. You know, I've, I've taught at the uh, Mescalero schools on, um, on band names, Apache band names. And I really had to break it down in saying, this is, this is we're talking about, uh, we're, we're talking about Chiricahua band. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, what, what, oh my God, that just sounds <laughs> crazy, man. What are you talking about? You know, talk about Chiricahuas and here you come. I thought it was all nothing but Chiricahua. You know, there's different bands. And once you explain, you know, uh, and and, and try to piece it together for, for these kids to understand, man, they, they, they'll eat it up all day long. Mm-hmm. So you have to really make that commitment and saying, you know what? I don't want to learn the whole word. I want to learn the pieces of it. That way I can apply it to, to my own way of understanding and way mm-hmm. of thinking. So, so it's like fragmented. And once, once you figure out like the majority of the pieces, you can put, put more pieces together. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, the, the main thing I tell, I, I share with people is we all know how to say no. Duda. Right. We say duda, duda, duda. We all say no. But what people don't understand is when you hear a longer word, let's say do night zita. Or, or something like that. You go like, holy crap. I mean, that's just, what, what just happened here. You know, we went from Duda to Dunaizira. What what the world just happened? So what, is have, that, what does that mean, Dunaizira? It means it doesn't work. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you look at um, Duda, no. But you break it apart, do, da. And you insert a either a verb in the middle. Mm-hmm. That makes it from a verb of working or not working. So once you get there, you go, oh, okay. Now I can start cutting up these different words and say this or not this, this or not this. And Mm -hmm. and it's very, you you look at stuff like that and and it's just, oh, wow. That's what it is. Where's your um, office or where's your building located right now? We work out of the um, Muscular Cultural Center. The Cultural Center? Yeah, down Chiricahua Plaza. Uh, We have um, utilizing half of the space there from the museum. Um, until our new building gets it mm, gets put okay. up, so you guys aren't like fully kicked out yet. No, we still have uh, about ninety percent of our stuff still in storage. Okay, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super interested. I know a good deal of Apache because I, I was in the schools, but nothing beyond that, nothing fancy, you know. And whenever I was done with high school, I kind of felt like, oh man, I didn't learn enough. And mm. what's the next step now? Well, after high school, it's kind of on you. And I remember getting like these these little bit of lectures here and there when they're like, um, "You don't even know our language. You're not even fluent and stuff like that." And then I'm like, "It's it's not my fault. Like I was just I just grew up. I was just born. You know, it wasn't it wasn't spoken to me and driven. And I, I learned English, but now it is on me, and I have to find the resources. And the resources seem like they're just a little bit harder to come by. You know, you can't just go sign up for a class. And if there are classes. I haven't like heard about them yet. Maybe I'm just like under the the radar with information, but um, I'm like, where where can we go to build our vocabulary? Where can we go to build our fluency? Um, if you want to be proactive, like where where is that place to go to to build on that? You know, that's one of the hard things that we deal with in our community is 
either being shame of not knowing or being shame of of being left out right mm-hmm. you know yeah. hey that's our identity our language is our identity we hear we hear that all the time that language is our identity that's our core that's who we are uh, but for and foremost it's a communication communication about going to walmart it's mm-hmm. communication about hunting it's a communication about um Hey, this is what I did with my family today. It's a communication. That's all it is. And we 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 try we we freak ourselves out in hearing ourselves talk. Mm-hmm. I said in a patchwork, oh my god, I just this is ridiculous. This is like insane, <laughs> man. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? I said, Duda. You know, just people just like just enjoy that part. Mm-hmm. But you know, try to build upon it, try to learn another word, another structure. If if you as an individual wanted to learn all the patchy words there is, you be thousands and thousands of thousands that you had mm-hmm. to memorize. Mm-hmm. And not only memorize, but you had to make it into a sentence. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you have to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's tremendous amount of pressure on someone that's like, oh, I just, I just want to talk to grandma, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, thank you for the food. That's all I want to say. But you, you, people kind of tend to see to kind of like, oh my God, and just weigh themselves down with, trying to overwhelm themselves you know I, I encourage people just to take a step back and just just hear it hear it for what it is you don't have to sit there and, and scribble and take notes you don't have to sit there and go hey what did you say how did you say it can you say it again mm-hmm. just take it as, as you hear it enjoy it and just like okay just hear the rhythm hear you know some key words hear here, this and that and the other, and mm-hmm. and, and it, you start getting it together. It's it's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, here in Mescalero, you know, the probably the youngest fluent speaker we we have guesstimated is is about fifty five, fifty six oh. years old. So you know, it's not very well um, heard throughout the community on mm-hmm. a fluency basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're guesstimating with our program between two hundred to two hundred fifty fluent speakers left of the Mescalero mm-hmm. language. So it's not. You don't hear it a lot, mm-hmm. yeah. and and that's um, unfortunate of the times that we live in. But we can't use that as an excuse. Yeah, I man, you know, you know, so and so uncle of the family was the only one that spoke Apache, and you know he's since his past, and I don't hear it no more. I, you know, my condolences, but you know, reach out. You don't have to go talk. To, you visit the elders and just listen to them. Mm-hmm. Just talk, just hear them out, and you know, there's there's. People just can't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Just go for it, man. Just listen to it. And just, right. Hey, you know, the songs and stuff and understand what you're singing about. You know, that That's probably one of the, the hardest things that, um, you know, my age, you know, I'm just turned 43 and I really have to help my younger generation, even, you know, guys my age and really explain the songs and mm-hmm. this is what we're singing about. This is the purpose of this song. You really have to, number one, understand what you're talking about and to be willing to share and teach and I, I think there's a lot of community members that are willing to teach. Um, just got to be respectful about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I, was, I was walking with your your dad one time and I was asking him a bunch of questions and he was happy. He he loved that I was asking him questions about the language. And he goes, no, 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 you don't say it like that. He's like, you, you're overdoing it. He says, it's relaxed a little bit. And uh, I was like, you know, they're out there. The resources are out there. But um, like you just you got to take advantage of the time when you have it. And we're, we're too caught up in the time sometimes and we just forget, you know, 
we're having fun that day and we go home but we didn't realize like oh shoot if i would have stopped for a few minutes i could have asked this person a um, couple little pointers on um, some stuff so i'm trying to be more cognizant of that lately and ask people more questions and just be a bother bug like i had to get rid of like you said the shame of not knowing and um once i got back from the military like all that was gone like there, there was something that clicked in my head where i was like what is there to be shamed about man like just get out there and learn and so uh, i would just and i did get laughed at a lot you know and i would walk into like in an arbor and ask these questions and i got laughed at a whole bunch and then i had to just stand there with no shame and just say like look man i've been gone for a long time um I don't, I don't understand, like, what's so funny? And once you once you develop the confidence of asking and telling people, like, what's funny about me wanting to learn, mm-hmm. um, it comes so easy after that. Then um, I real, I caught myself just asking more questions and more questions. And I picked up a lot in the last, like, couple of years because of my um, just making myself aware of the fact that when there's someone around you can talk to, take advantage of that time and... That was something I had to teach myself. It's like, it like a learning um, thing that I had to put in my own, the back of my mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we, we're all learning instruments, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have a big old brain to absorb as much as we can. So ask questions. People mm-hmm. need to ask questions. People need to say, hey, you know what? You know, hey, Blue, maybe you don't know all this, but mm-hmm. you know, let me ask you this question. What do you think about this? We need to be more open to other people. You know, sometimes yeah. we get so stuck in our own ways and, hey, this is the only way that you ever can butcher a cow mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't, yeah. I don't know whatever it can be. There's the only way you can put up a teepee. You have to be open-minded to say there's different ways to do this. Mm-hmm. There's different ways to, to learn language. There's different ways to, to learn either the culture or, you know, different things. You know, in, in you know, my kids always laugh when I say this stuff. You know, back in my day, you know, <laughs> back in my day, you know, when I was a teenager, I used to pick up these older men alongside the roads. They used to be a bunch of hitchhikers back in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talk nothing but Apache. And here I am. All right, I'm going to pick up, you know, this older guy and we'll, I'm going to test out what I what I can say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, then, you know, let's, let's go for a drive. Let's do it. And, mm-hmm. and, and just that little part of, they didn't know who I was, right? They just, hey, some young kid picked me up and we're talking Apache. And I'm going to talk Apache to dislocate all the way to Rodolfo. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We oh. just drove and he talked. Uh, I remember this older man that was talking to me about, you know, going to work at the racetrack and working with horses and stuff like that. And and at that time period was, you know, my, you know, speaking wasn't, you know, at all. I didn't speak. Oh, oh. Dundee, you know, just just listen, just let him talk and talk, and that's what I what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, this older man just picked him up and just had these conversations. They they enjoyed it, man. They mm-hmm. Just had a blast. Yeah. So you know, um, you know, it just from from that time period I was at, you know, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, to hearing that language consistently and all the time during ceremonies or during singing or during community events, to where we're at now is 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 shocking mm-hmm. and and i wish i was fluent enough to 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 get this stuff going again yeah. um you know I, during my time on on tribal council i always had to to talk to the group whether it be us as a council or our larger organization and say you know what next door isn't next in next to us isn't our leaders that we had 10 years ago we have to make those decisions for ourselves now. What do we do? 
we can't sit here and 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 re- go backwards in time and make this happen. We have to make a decision for ourselves. So now that it's on my plate or my time, I really have to um, highlight the importance of language to my family, importance of language to my kids, important language to you know these these guys I sing with, uh, and I have to really understand that. They don't understand language. Mm-hmm. No fault to them, you know. They're just a byproduct of, of, of you know, the two thousands, I guess. But I have to understand that, hey, you know, so and so doesn't really know the language. Yeah. So I have to explain to him. Mm-hmm. I have to explain my prayers. I have to explain what I'm talking about, what I'm singing about, because what's going to happen in twenty years? What's going to happen in forty years? Right. Where do you think we draw the line between them? Um, keeping it all for ourselves as a tribe and then sharing it with non-tribal members like for example let's say let's say um somebody wanted to use our culture for uh, our language for a song and uh let's say the new generation like a rap song um wanted to put a little bit in apache where do you think we should draw the line where where it's just for us or it's 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 for the outside people as well how do you think that works? There, there. Obviously, there's a line. For for my employment, there's a line. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't share a language. I can't, you know, share a sentence. I can't, other than say, you know, I'm sorry, this is the law mm-hmm. here in Mescalero that I can't share this with y'all. Yeah. Off the clock, I'm just an individual, just as such as you are. You can share as any information as you can. Uh, you know, there's is a lot of good people out there. That want to learn the language, that are not don't have a, a ounce of Apache blood, mm-hmm. that are really interested in in speaking. You know, there's a, a professor. This is up north. This is South Dakota, I think. That really involved himself into the language, and uh, you know, he's white as man as can be, but he talks fluent Lakota mm-hmm. and to the elders, talks to people fluent, 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 and that's pretty neat to like. Oh man, you know that person can understand you know lakota and really you know get into it you know that that we should do that here in mescalero i had you know about 15 20 years ago there was a video or movie made on the chiricau language it's called the missing um, yeah yeah the, 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 um i don't remember you know the big stars in that but the 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 main individuals here in mescalero that went up and taught the language mm-hmm made it a point to say you know what we want our indian kids our apache kids to know that this white person or this navajo person or you know this mexican guy sat down and learned language mm-hmm. to speak into the movie yeah. why our kids need to understand that they can learn language too mm-hmm. and that was one of their biggest premises is we're going to go teach language but at the same time show our kids that you can learn you yeah. can learn mm-hmm. the stuff and you know, when the first move, when the first came out, I, I wasn't, you know, that that understanding of the language. But now I can listen to it and watch the movie and you know laugh at these different moments and, mm-hmm, and yeah. like, oh, okay, I can see what's going on here. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you can really understand what what's being said. So it's, it's pretty neat to you know, Did, look at stuff like that. Were you involved in that movie at all? I, I wasn't involved in the missing, but I was involved. No, Cowboys in, versus aliens. Cowboys yeah. versus aliens. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was involved in that one, and. Uh, um it was pretty neat being involved with that part because 
in 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 movies or Hollywood, they select people that look like Indians. Yeah. Hey, you know, you look brown enough. You have long hair. You're skinny. <laughs> you know. Hey, you look like a real Indian. We're gonna put you in a movie. Yeah. What about Apaches? Well, you know, we're talking about, you know, just brown people, and that's what Hollywood always seen us as a product of, of, uh, we see a picture of Indian and that's Indian, mm -hmm. but with cow cowboys or or cowboys and aliens, is that we're gonna do the movie help you out as Chiricahuas in the movie, but we want real Chiricahuas as actors. Yeah, and. They buffed that idea. Like, yeah, right. You know, we're, we're here to make some money. We don't care about Chiricahuas, this or that and the other. We just want Apaches there. But we really had to dwell into them and say, you know what? If you want the real deal, we're the real deal. Do you want real language? That's us. Mm -hmm. If you want to fake it, you know, go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a, a day later, they say, okay, yeah, we yeah. want we want the real deal. Yeah. So we're able to participate in that movie. And, um, you know, there's about... 25, 30 travel members here from Mescalero that was in the movie, and uh, it was a fun experience. Our, our little, like, um, grasp at, at fame, and everyone got to watch TV and say, that's my cousin, that's my cousin, yeah. I know who that is. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Um, I, I, I see it in a way, though, when we share our language and culture and stuff, is like, um, you know, dropping down the barriers, because, you know, we're in a new time, and a new, this is just my opinion, but I, I think it's like... Um, more peaceful times now to to share like to be able to converse with other people and stuff and it just brings like peace into all the surrounding areas because we're blended in now we share our society we share everything and i wish we could just let down the walls a little bit but then i understand like the whole other side where what i would understand more is if i guess um we hit things in a way because they were sacred to the apache people then i'm like oh okay i understand but if we're just like we have barriers up just because we don't want anyone to know our stuff, then I'm like, oh man, come on, let's just let's just open up now, you know, let, let's be a little bit more. But um, I don't know, those are just opinions and stuff. And I I just wanted to be get to a point to where we can have a radio station where we can be proud and people can listen and be like, oh man, did you guys hear? Maybe someone in Almogordo heard the radio station. Like, did you hear that Mescalero radio station? Those guys' culture is strong. It sounds amazing. And it builds our, it builds our image as as Apache speaking people and and stuff like that. I, I kind of like that too. But um, I guess in a way, as Apaches, we're not supposed to show off too. So there's a lot of things that that just go back and forth, back and forth, and um, it's complicated. To sure, you. sure, yeah. It, I mean, to, for for the community, it's it's a no brainer, right? It's a no brainer. To do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. But me as an employee of the tribe, working the department i have restrictions yeah but that doesn't mean that the whole community has to abide by those restrictions mm. it's just my job 8 to 4 30 is to tend to this and be careful for this mm -hmm. the community as why can do amazing things by themselves you don't have to have in Debazal language program doing a radio station mm -hmm. you can do it on your own mm -hmm. there's tools available to people do it online um you know, just start building it up. Mm, see, and then it's really hard, you know, from my side to say, hey, you know, this is my job and this is what I'm restricted by. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side saying, hey, I want everybody to learn the language. Yeah, you know, yeah. This is what we want to do. This is how we should do it. So I have to be very careful on, on making sure people understand that mm -hmm. I have a job. 
But on the flip side, I want everybody to learn the language. Yeah, it's beautiful. Let's take you over. Know. You know, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit earlier about how you you served on council. Um, how many years did you serve, and uh, how how was that experience for you? I, I did two terms. I was elected twice, um, so I did serve four years. Yeah. And politics is like no other. Um, we have a general idea of how government works, right? We've all taken uh, classes in high schools. Hey, this is how government works. You know, this is how body should government, how it operates. But once we, this idea of tribal government is totally different animal. Yeah. It's really, Mm -hmm. really in, in public opinion driven, Mm. unfortunately. Um, Meaning whoever yells the loudest is going to get whatever they want. That's tribal government. And it's very hard for me trying to understand like hey let's look at the big picture here let's look at our community wide in the next 10 years the next 20 years let's tend to those important things for us as a community and let's not worry about although they may have important points but let's not worry about the the birds that are chirping today mm-hmm. you know because that tomorrow there's another bird going to be chirping and after it'll be another bird oh. and we're going to continue to 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 look at these day-to-day activities and forget about the big picture. Yeah. So in government, when I was elected, I had to really explain how my outlook was in terms of the long term. Yeah. Short term, we get a pat on the back and, you know, we think we're doing good. But in long term, we're hurting ourselves. You know, here in the community, we hurt ourselves by economic development. We hurt ourselves by social development. We hurt ourselves by not thinking about our grandkids. Mm. We only think about what can we get out of this mm. today. Yeah. You know, I really fought long and hard for, for long-term projects that are going to impact our community for some time to come. I, yeah, we hear the birds chirping all the time, and, and it's very unfortunate that they chirp. But let's look at the big picture here, mm-hmm. right? You know, looking at my business, you know, Resolute, and how I'm able to develop it, develop that is a could either be seen right now as a uh, award of excellence. Hey, congratulations, Pastor! You did you know resolutely you got a website and you're selling stuff, or it can be an opportunity for us to expand our economic base. Right? I it's not tribally funded. I'm not you know I have no tribal grants. I have nothing like that other than my own sweat and tears and, and own capital to put this together. So when you look at a tribal organization, tribal future we have to look at every opportunity there is to build our community yeah the biggest thing is homes i mean number one we need homes right there's social problems there's alcohol problems there's living problems there's multitude of problems of not having enough homes but when you look at it from a a community development aspect building homes and pasco and his family chris and his family blue and his family guess what you got to do every day you got to eat right yeah. Oh, now we need a grocery store. Okay, yeah, let's build a grocery store. We all need to wash our clothes. Well, we, now we need a laundromat. Oh, now, you know, my sink's all busted up. We need a plumber. You know, building homes is important for community development like no other. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have our social problems with homes, but building our economic base starts with homes. We have to build homes. And, and you know, we... We went round and round in, in, in the cultural, or excuse me, in, in the tribal council chambers about how do we get to that point. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just can't stress it enough. I think it's it's still going on, and I think it's still a sticky situation, and people are trying and stuff. But um, <clears throat> there, there, there's just a lot of factors that that come into, um, like our you know of course our reservations, financial situation, and then how we're going to get it done, and the resources and stuff. I think there's a lot more to it than people understand. And then you get like you hear the people talking maybe at the re- at you know at the inn or tribal store. They're like, I don't understand. We have all this money. Why we can't just build homes? But I'm like thinking like. It's probably more complicated than that. You know, I try try not to judge, even though I have my own opinions. And I'm like, in my head, I have it worked out. And then, but it's another thing is if I step into those shoes and I'm in the tribal council too, and I'm, and I'm trying to fix it myself, I bet you I wouldn't, um, all my ideas just just wouldn't go as planned. You know, I, I bet it's I bet it's a lot stickier than, than it seems, you know, outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at a home and, you know, there's four walls and the floor and water. But we don't look at the infrastructure of the of the complex. We've got to have electricity provided to all the homes. We've got to have water provided. We've got to have water pressure to these homes, right? Okay. We've got to have, um, you know, a, a decline for for the sewer runoff or whatever it may be. We need proper roads. We need sidewalks. We need you know lights and stuff like this that that people. I don't want to say they don't see, but the, there's more to a home than just four walls and, and a roof. We've, mm-hmm. we've got to build yeah. build it correctly. I think you know, during my time and you know during any other tribal council time, there's always that that pressure of how do we continue to hear these birds chirp, or, or we're gonna like, mm-hmm. hey, let's build this big you know economic um, power here in Mescalero, where you know what. We, we've got it made. We've got to take yeah. care of. Yeah. You know, one thing that I always tell people and and, and is that here in Muscular, it's beautiful. It's goddamn. It's, it's it's so amazing around here. Our people are amazing. Our people are, are beautiful as themselves. We we have a beautiful community here in Mescalero, um that we just need to continue to build upon. Mm-hmm. Just inspire people and build people up. And hey, good job today. You know, hey, you know. One of the things that really, really I tried to do in, on, when I was council was, you know, do some sort of appreciation to people. You know, we don't have to have a big old Pasco and Jotty Day at, at Mescalero Apache Tribe, but hey, let's bring in somebody in the council chambers today and say, hey, we'll give you a pat on the back for this project. Mm. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. So, well, just thank you. Thank you very much for, for what you do here in Mescalero. And it's just building people up. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, people have 10 fingers and they point all 10 fingers, all type of people. Mm. But who is it going to take? Who wants to take that on to say, you know what? Let's let's build something here. Yeah. We don't need to point fingers. We don't need to talk about people. We don't talk. You know, you want to talk about me? Go ahead and talk about me all day. I don't, you know, while I work on Resolute, you know, yeah. dot com. You know, I I don't, I don't care less. But I think we have to change that mentality. That if Blue is successful, I'm successful. Definitely. If Chris is successful, I'm successful. Yeah. One of the things that I learned in college was. Building up communities is we all have to be fully involved in this. We can't sit there and be grumpy at each other. And What's that going to do? That's do nothing for us. Mm-hmm. But if I inspire Blue to do great at his house, that's going to inspire Chris to do great at his house. Hey, I want to build me something else too. I'm going to build me an extension. Or I'm going to build do me storage or I'm gonna buy me some horses, whatever it may be. You know, we want to build people up here in the yeah. community. And it's one of the things that, you know, I try to do in my life is just try to give somebody a pat on the back. Yeah. It's, it's really. That's commendable. It's, it's really hard, you know, for 
number one to live life and say, hey, you know, no one cares about me. But mm-hmm. on two, say, hey, somebody just gave me a pat on the back. Heck yeah. It's um, it's pretty rewarding to give people a pat on the back. I think that's why me and Chris do the do the podcast. Yeah, and that's exactly that's. I mean, that's our main mission. And, you know, and I'm glad you. I'm glad you said all that. Like we're on the same team. We're all. If one of us successful, mm-hmm. we're all successful. So that's like the main mission of the, of this right. podcast. Yeah. And, and um, it was humbling for me to start doing it at first because, um, growing up in Mescalero, it's hard for us. It's just not. It doesn't come too natural when we're like, oh, check this guy out. He can do this. He can do that. Like, um, it's we have like a different way of like talking and communicating. And so for me to do this, it was real humbling. It was yeah. real like, hey, get on this show. Um, let's talk about what, what how good of a job you did. But in turn, um, doing this podcast is kind of like molding my my own personality, and it's making me like um, I don't know. I guess it's creating like a better person. Just because I'm more appreciative of the jobs that other people do around me now, and we're not we're not getting anything out of this. We don't get any money or anything like that. But um, it's just our our way of just giving back and stuff. But um, I like that that you you know you sound like you're still uh, a little bit. You sound like you still kind of enjoy that kind of leadership, and you almost sound like you still would do it again if you had the opportunity. Oh, I mean, I I think having that. Opportunity to serve your people is is, is, is the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Is, is use that time to benefit people. Don't use that time to yeah. to gripe. Don't use that time or air time to to make things worse for people. I mean, that's that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. What people think sometimes, but you know, using that opportunity, using my opportunity to give people a, a chance. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've I've seen Pascal's artwork a million times. Let's try something with this. Let's yeah. see what we can do with this. And inspire people to to do great things, you know. Pick up trash around their house. Pick up trash down the road, you know. Inspire somebody to do that. Just one person, and and they feel good about themselves. They feel mm-hmm. powerful about themselves. Hey yeah. man, look at me. I just I just clean up my 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 street. You inspire people to do great things, you know. In 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 trying to build up a community, um, is is takes a lot of people. It doesn't take one inspirational person to sit there and say, hey, this is how you build up a community. Mm-hmm. It takes hard work from all each and every one of us to say, hey, you know, I'm going to pick up trash today outside my house. Make it look nice. I'm going to cut my grass today and make it look nice. You know, that takes that part of, of, of you know, I'm going to do this and, and feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we do good things and we don't get the pat on the back. And that kind of, oh, man, come on. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, come on, someone see me, you know, yeah. see me do something here. So, you know, that's why it's important to, to really talk to people and, you know, tell them good job and you appreciate people and, you know, stuff like that. You know, in, in my time, uh, I really you, I really want to help people realize what they can do as a person. You know, I've talked to people, um, you know, come see me for advice. And, and people know my real life, you know, I'm the last person to come see for advice, right? <laughs> Yeah, I've been to the depths of, of of everything, but you know, just really inspirational that people say, "Hey, Pascal, what you you know, I just need to talk to somebody, or I just need to to you know say this and that and the other, and that's fine. You know, bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not judgmental. I, I don't you know frown upon anybody because we're, we're at the end of the day, we're all six foot under, and you know, the Apache tribe still needs to continue to be strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's hard to humble yourself and ask for help and stuff and. Um, but I think that's what's cool that after people hear this podcast and they hear your personality and maybe hear who you are, they'll have like a different take on you. Cause 
Um, we don't all know Pascal, and and like your your doors are open, like you're saying, and and it is hard to come and be like, hey, Pascal, like, dude, I'm I'm struggling, like, I went through this, and I'm and I'm ashamed about it and stuff, and um, to hear you say like, oh yeah, I don't judge nobody, that that's that's big, you know, because, and I think it's better for some people knowing that you've been you've been at the bottom before, or you've had your hard times too. You're more relatable and stuff, but um, one of the things that I think is the most important is that you're trying to be better every day, better than you were yesterday. Mm. And um, sometimes a lot of sometimes a lot of like the people that talk talk bad or don't see that and like to always like you know be negative about you and stuff. Um, you know it, it, it does they, they don't see that you're trying to be better tomorrow and appreciate that. But um, that's something that we, that I try to promote a lot in the podcast is yeah. um, you can always be better, you know, you can always grow and be a better person tomorrow. Let and let's respect that person cuz they're trying to be better. If you were never trying to be in a better place, this world would never be any better. And we might as well just stay being a bad person, you know, because what's the point, you know, if you're never going to get um, anyone to look at you with respect anymore and stuff. But, you know, I really respect that, um, that you can say, you know, I, I've been to the bottom, but now I'm trying to be a better person. I'm here to help you and stuff. So, but, you know, I respect those qualities about you and, and the fact that, um, you know, we bring you on because you're doing big things for your community. You're always trying to help out. You're always very helpful when someone somebody asks. I've helped. I ask you for some questions here and there at events, and and you always just, you grab me up with a lot of patience and explain to me in detail like I didn't know, and um, and it, it's and I like that about you. And you know, of course, we want to highlight your leadership and you know the things you've done for the community as as tribal council and stuff. So um, yeah, this is our our way of you know giving back to you and just telling you, yeah, good job. Yeah, uh, big pat on the back to you, and we hope yeah. to see your business keep growing and succeeding, and just you know, you keep growing as a person, and you teach people, and hopefully in a few more years, maybe you can put on a class for us, and we're all sitting with our our not our notebooks because you say we don't have to write down every line. I'm gonna hold you to that, um, but we're all sitting front and center trying to learn from you, and maybe you reach that point where you're fluent and you're saving it. Who knows? Maybe you could be a big hinge for our community as far as the language goes, because. Um, you obviously understand what our needs are as a community, and you you definitely understand the gap for the loss loss of language. So um, I'm gonna hold you to it. You know, hopefully you you get to that point where you're fluent, and so I can learn from you someday. And you 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 provide maybe some resources or a classroom I can sit in on or something like that, and and stuff. So, but anyway, um, good job, and super proud of you, and super um, impressed by your business and your work yeah. ethic. It's been a very interesting um, conversation with uh, the shirt business. I didn't know, um, you know, you put so much into it. I honestly thought it was a little easy. <laughs> I honestly thought you just took advantage of a business opportunity <laughs> and you were printing stuff. But now, you know, I kind of heard, you know, how, how hard it was and all the trial and error you went through and stuff. So, um, you know, congratulations on the growth of, of your business and all that. And, um I know, I know your kids personally, and I have a huge soft spot for them and stuff. And I think they're going to grow up to be good people just by some of the qualities that you're teaching now. And so I hope you keep that going, and their kids keep that going, and their kids keep that going. Your your effect's going to just keep going as long as you, you know, you stay on this path. I think you're doing a good job. Sure, I appreciate you guys. You know, chance to come up here and talk with you guys and have a good conversation. You know, is sometimes it just needs to happen, right? Just yeah, talk yeah. and. Fill each other out. I was entertained the whole time. Um, I, I get um, a little antsy to have like talks, but I always want to dive into the juicy stuff we're not supposed to talk <laughs> about, you know. But 
at the same time, I want it to be positive and I want it to be like a, a podcast that everyone can listen to and not have any drama and stuff. I know we're all we're all attracted to drama, right? <laughs> and we just want to hear hear the hear the good stuff. But um, no, this podcast isn't for that and stuff. But um, it's just you know, people like you is what's going to keep this podcast going. And you know, thank you for making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much we we didn't even touch on. I, I know think there's so much more. One one thing I, I wanted to ask though, like let's say there was a kid maybe in high school or something listening to this podcast and they're like, man, I want to have a business someday, or I want to run for council someday, or I want to work with move in movies someday. What would be your advice to the to those kids mm-hmm. listening right now? You know what? Go, go for the gusto. You know, don't wait on anybody to to, to tell you yes. Just go for it. You yeah. know, it, it's one of those where you know I I've always constantly talk to my kids about just do it yeah just do it there's nothing to it but to do it mm-hmm. you know you can't sit there and say i can't do it because it's a cloudy day i can't do it because so-and-so was talking to me no just get it done and and just experience it you know learn and trial and error and and get things where you need to be I, you know my terms as travel council you know the first year wasn't good you know i i thought it was the right thing to argue and fight and, mm-hmm. and really, you know, be the tough guy there in the council chair, but it wasn't. And I had to learn from that experience. And that's what just people need to do. Just, you know, mm. go for it. Just right. go play, go, go running, go play yeah. basketball, go run for council, uh, you know, start a community event. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. I mean, there's no one, no one's here to to tell you this is the right way to live life yeah, yeah. No, i like go do it. i like that you said that you know but you had to grow through that experience and you just said i thought it was the right thing to fight but but um that's a like it's a mature move to do is to say like you know during my time there you know i, I did try my best and, and, and now i learned from it but isn't it it's entertaining how we just grow over time um i always like to talk about like when i was younger i was an idiot and i'm still an idiot and i'm still growing and maybe I'm going to be different when I'm 35 and maybe hopefully be more mature when I'm 40, you know, and, and still keep growing through it. And I, I like to hear the growth process is still happening, you know. Uh, for you, you were in tribal council how many years ago? Uh, last, I was on about four years ago. Four years ago? And you're already looking back saying, you know, you know I'm, I'm more mature now. You know, I learned from that, though. That's huge just to grow. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. you have to, 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 you know, we talked about trial error earlier is after you did an error, you have to take back and say, okay, what did I do right? Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And and learn from it. And then right. I had to take my, my, my T-shirt making business of trial and error to the biggest level here in Muscular government. Okay, I made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have done this or done that or said this or said that. And I learned from it and, and made myself a, a better representative of the community mm-hmm. in, in trying to be productive and trying to be positive and trying to to inspire one person inspire 10 people inspire 100 people to to act responsible act responsible mm-hmm. um we're not gonna hear this this is the way you live your life in mescler a through z this is a straight line you got to get it done no it's it's building people up and you learn from your experiences i learn from my experiences and guess what we're, at the end of the day we're gonna Make some sort of improvement somewhere. Yeah, and it's going to be better than yesterday. Yeah. So, sometimes I don't want to try stuff. is because I want to get it right on the first try. And I don't want to be judged. And I have to teach myself, like, just go ahead and just try and attempt it. Because you're never going to learn. But I do get that nervousness when I'm about to attempt something. Um, with the podcast with Chris. And Chris yeah. was, he's more relaxed on that aspect than I was. He was like, let's just do the podcast. <laughs> 
And I was like, well, where do we start? He was like, I don't know. Just grab some mics. <laughs> and then I was just like, but we got to get it right, though. What if they don't want to listen? Do And I was trying to be more scripted. And he was like, dude, we're just going to have to get one over with. We're going to have to make some mistakes. And we're driving away from the first podcast. And I'm like, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. I'm kind of nervous and stuff. And um, But I leaned on him a lot for that relaxed um, attitude of just doing it and just getting out there and trying it. Because I don't want to look like a fool. But um, you're totally right on that. You know, just just do it. That's good advice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you see your, your yourself in the next five years? You expand the expand the business? Or are you gonna go back on council? What do you think you gonna do? Oh, you know what? You know, I I, I love I'm loving life right now. I have a, a senior that's gonna be going to college in <laughs> about six months. I've got a high school son that's a all state football player. Oh yeah. Oh man, it's exciting times in, in where I'm at now and you know, I, I don't know what uh the long term future is gonna to hold for me. But I know I have to take advantage of of my time right now. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, my time may be fully developed with the kids and, and their next step in their life. Mm-hmm. Or it might be some other direction that I may take. But I, I'm really inspired by my kids right now to, to give them the best that they can. They're 17 and, and 16 right now. And, and I got one that just turned 12, which is the cutest thing. Uh, but it's just preparing myself and preparing, you know, my my child to uh, get out of the the coop and <laughs> live life on their own, and that that's it's fun. So yeah. the kids are the main focus right now. Uh, there's the, always been the main focus. Uh, you know, you know, obviously, you know, trying to get into the public eye, whether it be in, in government or whatnot, is um, always has to be, take a backseat to my kids, mm-hmm. and, awesome. and the kids are priority. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just want the best for them. We all want the best for our kids, right? Yeah. That's what I, I treat my kids. And, and you know, long term, big long term, ten, twenty years. You j- I just want to be some sort of positivity in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, inspire somebody to do good the next day. Inspire somebody to do great at that moment. Uh, inspire somebody to learn something. Inspire somebody to to do something. Inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs here in Mescalero. Inspire the next group of of um, government mm-hmm. uh, government leaders and stuff like that. It's just you know, I just want to keep pushing people up to to the biggest potential. You know, we we try to slow ourselves down, or sometimes, or we try to um, hey, you know what? I'm going to try again next year, or I'm going to try in two years. But we tend to forget. What about today, man? Yeah. Well, what about today? Mm-hmm. Learn something today. Learn something. You know. Um, you know. Back in my day, I didn't have Google, but today we have YouTube, and you can learn anything on yep. YouTube. And just go out and, and do your best. This is a short period of time. I'm, cause I'm 43 years old, and um, you know it didn't slow down for me. I don't expect this to slow down for anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. Nice. It's nice to have you. Um, hopefully, someday you know your business does expand, and you have like your own version of like your native Walmart, and you have a big corporation, yeah, cool. <laughs> and. Um, Unlimited amounts of spam and Kool-Aid uh, <laughs> and bluebird flower. But, oh, yeah. um, no, all jokes aside, man. Um, good luck to you. Best of luck to you and your family. Um, you know, I hope hope you find your your family finds success, especially with your kids moving on to that next chapter and school and education. Um, that's always a tough step that transition from high school to college. So, just good luck to you and your family, man. I, I hope you all are successful and you know you have a lot of good things just coming your way. Yeah. Um, you have any final thoughts or 
Um, I think we I think we touched on everything. Yeah, I just want to th- thank you uh, for coming on the podcast, uh, Pascal. Really appreciate you and encourage you. And, and I like I like what you said, especially about how if one person is successful, we're all successful. That should, maybe that should be the name of this episode. Right, right. If one of one tribal member is successful, we're all successful. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same team, and this is this is our way of showing like we want to we want to have more people like you on the podcast. You know about. Mm-hmm more uh inspiration to the community and um hopefully we get to work together again uh when you're announcing the games when you're announcing the football games that was actually (laughs) yeah you made the game real exciting that was uh that was awesome yeah i gotta go listen in on one of those yeah Yeah. it was was real fun but um if if nothing else i guess we can get into the 10 fun questions of the res and finish it off yeah Um, Yeah. or do you have anything else pascal you want to say no, no, I appreciate you guys for this opportunity. You know, it's always fun to to chit chat with some just various topics and talking. But thank you guys for for this evening and cool. Any okay. last shout outs? <laughs> no, you know what? Oh, just, give your give your website one one last oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Let's hit that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, my my website is res elitecom um, I have all type of products right now. I have uh, hoodies and blankets and. I think I have some shorts up right now, but, you know, just continuing to add more products all the time. Check it out and, you know, always get that uh, um, first shout out on, on Facebook and, you know, follow me on Facebook. And, you know, you get to get the latest stuff from, from, from my side of the my side of the world. Mm, okay. Um, just know uh, for our 10 fun questions, I think Old Road's closed down now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but let's just pretend Old Road's open. All, all right. right. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah. Did you have them saved or are we no, winging them again? Yeah, we're gonna have to wing it. And so, it's kind of been a while since we're like we the worst podcast. Yeah, hosts. the way we the way we uh, end the show is we do ten fun questions of the res. It's a uh, no right or wrong answer and just answer them as as they come to your to your head. Some of them we improvise because yeah. we're, we're bad and we can never write these down. But um, so we'll get started. All, all right, right, first one. Um, what are we going with? Uh, hunting or fishing? Hunting, hunting. Um, I remember some of them about the. Okay, so. Club 49 or Feast 49? Feast 49. Tribal store or uh, Casino Apache Travel Center store? Mm. He's biased. Yeah, Travel store. <laughs> All right. Uh, old, old Road or East LA? Oh, man. You guys got me there. Um, we'll do Old Road. Old Road. Uh, stuffed fry bread or fry bread with bolichly? Um... Fire brand bull meat. Oh, all right. Um, my favorite thing about mescalero is it's the beauty of the land. Beauty of the land. Nice. My name is Pascal. No, that's the la- that's, that's the last, last one. one. Yeah, okay. I always do that. Um, what else was there? Come on, come on. Um, spam or baloney, <laughs> dude? Come on, no, dude. Spam oh, oh, all day long. Come on. What if it's tribal store baloney? <laughs> spam. <laughs> uh, my favorite feast booth. Mine. <laughs> besides yours. Besides your feet. Besides your booth. Um, the mutton booth. Uh, it might be the mutton booth. Yeah, but, yeah. That one's mine. always getting a lot of like a lot of attendance for some reason. Yeah. Um, what? Broken Arrow or Windows? Mm. That was one. There you go. I'm going to Windows. Windows, nice. Okay, so that's nine. Last one. Uh, my name. Oh no, wait, there was another one. I'm most thankful for. I'm most thankful for being Apache. 
being the patch. All right. And uh, my name is Pasco Njadi, and I love... I love people. I love my family. I love my culture. I love my language. I love you all. I love people. That's what I do. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That was a 10 fun question of the res, and that was uh, another episode of Right on the Wall podcast with Pasco and Jody. Once again, thank you, Pasco, for being on the show, and we'll talk to you next time here on Right on the Wall podcast. Thank you. Miss Calero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard, and if anything, inspire our community.